Welcome to the Real Estate Hustle Podcast. My name is Andre Chin, broker owner, real estate investor, mega agent, and real estate coach. We're going to be tackling all things real estate, bringing you guests from all across North America, mega agents, mega teams, and we're going to be diving deep into their businesses to figure out how they got to where they are and how they consistently bring that hustle into their business every single day. Buckle up, our podcast starts now. All right, everyone. Thanks for joining us again on another episode of the Real Estate Hustle podcast. Today, we've got fellow realtor, investor, mega agent, Alex Powell out of the Hamilton area. Alex, welcome to the show. Tell everyone about yourself. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure being here. Uh, Thank you so much for the invitation, first and foremost. Um, A little bit about myself. Uh, I actually am, uh, my background is in engineering, mechanical engineering. That's what I studied in school. Uh, I became passionate about real estate investing at a very young age. I don't, I don't know if anyone remembers there was a real estate expo that took place in Toronto um, back when they, they still did them. And it was one of the ones actually where Donald Trump was the keynote speaker. Do you remember that one? Back like 10, 10, 15 years, I think, or so, right? I, I, was, I was 16 years old at the time. I, I didn't know who Donald Trump really was or anything. And that really has zero value to, to what it was. But there was... Um, George Foreman was there, Harry Stinson was a speaker, but one of the breakout sessions was just with this, it was this uh, young investor. And uh, he kind of was the first person that was like, you can actually do some incredible stuff with real estate and, and with passive income. So my cousin at the time who had just bought a triplex and I would go on like weekends and evenings to, to help him paint his place, kind of took me under his wing. and. Um, that's what made me uh, fall in love with the, the aspect of, of investing in real estate. And so eventually, uh, right after school, I jumped in two feet first to, to buy my first property, fixed it evenings on weekends myself, did it again in Kitchener. Then I got into some flips and then eventually I made a flip that netted me more than my whole year's salary. And I was like, see ya. Yeah. yeah this <laughs> that was is it. it. That, that's here. a cool story, man. I, I, I don't think I even knew and, and recognized that. Um, you know, that you kind of came out of the gate right at it. What, what made you decide, you know, I'm going real estate versus chasing, chasing my engineering background, you know, the thing I went to school for? It's funny. I always looked at school, not like an end game. I, my whole thought process around education school was what can I do in school that will open the most amount of doors? I did like co-ops and stuff like that through engineering. So I knew I didn't want to do consulting. I knew I didn't want to do like design uh, stuff bored the hell out of me. But when I got out of school, I did, I went, I worked at Acon, which was a project management company and that I I really enjoyed. It was like your boots on the ground, you're on site, you're seeing the the drawings come to life as the pipes are being hoisted into the ground and stuff like that. So I was like, okay, this is, this is awesome. Now, if I could just take this element that I've learned and hone the skill within my job and use it in my real life, like it's no different. Like once you've run a couple million dollar projects, doing like a hundred thousand dollar burr flip is like piece of piece of cake. So, yeah, yeah that, that's interesting. I think Acon, um, Acon, Acon, um, their their head offices, I think, is in Waterloo Region, if I'm not mistaken. Were you out here at the time, or were you still in Hamilton? Yeah, so I, I actually uh, I own a duplex still in Kitchener, uh, but it was in Cambridge. Um, there's Acom, which is like the design company, but there's Acon. They're the ones that you curse when you're going down the highway because right. they're causing all the traffic. 
Yeah. So that was uh, that was the infrastructure division. I was part of the industrial division. So we would do like wastewater treatment plants, uh, soil farms, cogens, that kind of thing. So oh, that's that's interesting, man. And and then yeah. uh, you know come off of that and, and sort of live in that that freedom life. Can, can I ask? Are you are you focused more? on the cash flow side of things, or are you focus more on the equity side, a combination of both? Like what's, what's your primary strategy when you- I would are- say, so definitely cash flow, definitely cash flow. So uh, for me, like we do a lot of flips. Flips is, is not a sustainable business. I guess it is if you want to do flips for the rest of your life. Right. But, and that might be the case. I, I love doing flips. I love transforming properties. I think it's, uh, it's incredibly rewarding to rejuvenate properties however it's a means to an end and that's the always the way i've looked at flips is that flips are only there to give me cash so that i can buy long-term hold properties that build my net worth that build our cash flow that build passive income for my family for my partners family so that's that's always the end game is is the passive field so, so you're using flips sort of as your engine and then your entire portfolio is sort of the, the vehicle that you're driving for that. that yeah. Format. Yeah. Mind you, the flips also fund our team too. So we do like four or five flips a year minimum just to like sustain the team. Plus we of course profit on it as well, but right. it's a, uh, yeah, it's, it's more geared towards like, we do a lot of joint venture partnerships. We do a lot of, uh, you know, burr type conversion. Project. Right. Now, now your your wife does more of the I would say more of the team side and you do more of the investment side. Is that sort of the structure you guys have going on? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Kaylee's a uh, Kaylee's dynamite. She uh, she does things I don't know how she does it, but she's <laughs> she's honestly like a superwoman. That's incredible. Now, I yeah. mean, and and I obviously I've met Kaylee a ton of times and we've had conversations. It's interesting because you were both on a team, if I'm not mistaken, at, at one point in time and then branched out and, and started. We broke the golden rule, man. When, uh, <laughs> when I left my job, I, I joined Mark Loeffler's team. Right. And so I was under his wing working as a listing specialist. And then Kaylee joined the team. And, <laughs> and Mark's one thing was you can't stick the pen in the company ink or whatever. And now we're married with two kids. So sorry, Mark, you, uh, <laughs> well, it's funny. Mark, Mark was on and, and I mean, we just got his episode released and that was one of the things he, he didn't touch on that. And I, I said, Mark, who, who do I got to know? Right. I mean, who should I be talking to? And, and resoundingly, you were the first name that, that he said, you know, reach out to Alex. You got to connect with them. Um, if you've already chatted with Sandy and, and we've had Sandy on as well. And, and, you know, he's doing the investment thing and, and Mark seems to be a bit of a hub in, in the Hamilton St. Catharines region for, for creating these incredible investors. And, and here yeah. you guys are now with your team and then with your investment portfolio. So, so which takes precedence? I mean, when you guys get home, you know, and you're sitting at the dinner table with the kids, is it, is it team talk? Is it investment talk? What, what are you guys talking Definitely about? Definitely investing talk. It's both of our passions. Even our team, like we, we've helped like first time home buyers, we've helped, you know, downsizers, upsizers, that kind of thing. But the majority of our client base is investors. So even within the team talk, there's investor talk. A lot of our clients are like very, very dear friends of ours now that have bought five, six, seven properties through us. So um, it's, a, it's an interesting side of the business. I mean, I'm sure you probably know too how challenging it is right now as a buyer. It's crazy out there. Yeah, so, it's absolutely nuts, right? And, and I mean, yeah. you know, I, I, I coach a lot of different teams and, and team leaders. And I find that as, as we continue to go down, you know, the real estate world, 
the teams that are focused on investments as well, you guys tend to have a little bit more, I don't want to say security, but, but almost this sort of reoccurring theme of the same, you know, you're, you're chasing less buyers and sellers because you've kind of created your own little blue ocean. Is, is that what you guys are finding? Yeah, totally. That's a good way to put it. Um, I find that with a home buyer and a home seller who's doing it for the first time, like they want to live in this property, they're looking at it from a very different lens. We just recently helped, actually we, Kaylee did everything, but uh, uh, she helped an investor client of ours sell their personal home and buy their personal home. And right. this gentleman's bought, I don't know how many properties through us on the investing world. And we were talking about it, uh, you know, and, and he had mentioned how different the process is when you're a personal buyer or seller for yourself than an investor. And it's not that it takes away that personal feeling because we get a lot of gratification from helping others build passive income. In my opinion, I think that if, if anyone listening isn't doing something to create passive income for themselves, they need to switch their mindset because it's, I, I don't see another way to, 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 prosper towards retirement down the road. But anyway, when we help these people or friends of ours get properties, that in itself has a different personal feeling to them too. They know that they're building their net worth, their cash flowing, they're building opportunities. Some of these people are buying properties for their kids down the line, you know? So it has that same kind of feeling of like, this is awesome, but it's a different side of the, of the spectrum. You know, right. we're not talking about curtains and carpets. We're talking about cash flow and, and uh, vacations. Right, right. Well, and it's interesting that you say that, right? Because you, you get a lot of agents say, you know, I love, I love helping people find their dream home. I love putting them in that forever home. I love, you know, seeing the kids and the grandkids come over and, and all these other stuff, right? Depending on how long you've been in real estate, you know, I'm, I'm getting into some of my third, third and fourth buys and, and sells mm -hmm. from, from as long as I've been doing it. Yet you're right, you know, that I think that person getting that first paycheck, right? Hey, I just got my first cash flow check. It's 300 bucks. Yeah, it's not much, but I just put $300 into my bank account month over month. There is a feeling of excitement there that comes with that as well. And, and you know, I've been coaching people and saying, listen, if you make people wealthy outside of everything else that you do, if we then turn into it and say, hey, I'm going to make you wealthy on top of everything else I'm going to do for you you really kind of get that client for life where they just, they don't even think about other realtors because you're their guy or girl. Yeah, totally. And, and I find you have a very similar personality in the, like uh, that infection, you, you draw people in very easily. And that's a really great feature to have. Kaylee has that too. When I was a listing for Loeffler or even on Knighton's team or even personally, it's like, I'm there, I'm there to do a good job. I'll, I'll do a damn good job but I'm there to do the job. Whereas Kaylee, like two weeks go by and these people are coming over for dinner or something like that because like, you know, now she's like met their kids and everything and they're all like close family friends now, which is fantastic. It's good for her, but it's just, I think that as a good real estate agent, that's a, a, a really good skill set, And I, I know you've got it too. It's like this, this draw and people want to be around you. I'm more of like a... I have a need for speed and like efficiency and trying to do it quicker, faster, better, you know, 
Yeah, no, I, I completely get that. And, and I mean, you know, it's funny because I used to get complaints. Like I'd be going through the grocery store and, and someone would run over and, you know, back when we could get hugs and, and you know, be close to people and you'd always get, you know, well, who's that? Well, I sold them a house in, you know, 2010 and you know, that's their mom. And it's like, well, how do you know their mom if you sold them a house? And, you know, you start developing these these relationships with people, um, sure. you know, and, and over time it, it blossoms into into different stuff are you guys still buying i mean we're still in the lockdown we're coming out of the lockdown here shortly yeah. depending on when you know people are listening to this i like putting a little context to where we are right we're february in covid in a lockdown almost a full calendar year in how did you guys survive you know all the last year were you still buying flipping doing burrs yeah. or yeah the whole way through yeah so we bought we bought 19 properties last year um huh. and then so this year we're on our third buy for the year it's, it's weird. To, I don't know if you feel the same way, but COVID is like the days mold into like this putty and it molds into this week and that week molds into this month and like you blink and January is done. Yeah. And now we're like almost halfway through February. February is a short month too. And it is. It's, like, it is. Well, it's so, insane that you say that because I, I still remember, you know, um, this month in history, you know, we moved, we, our team was offsite. We moved our team back into the main brokerage. And, and I think it was almost this week that we, we did that. And, you know, I'm looking back at that almost going, I can vividly remember being pissed off that I was moving desks. <laughs> and here we are a year later. And it's like, it's almost like a snap of the finger. It's, it's flown yeah. by so quickly. Totally. totally. I, I remember the two when we started doing Zoom calls with the team and everyone's working from home and there's a lot of uncertainty out there. And I guess at that point, you kind of had a choice. And um, like I'm, I was I'm part of the, the Real Estate Investors Network, too. And I was listening right. to their, um, their like what's behind the curtain sessions. And, and, you know, there's a lot of this doom and gloom, like now is a time where you shouldn't buy real estate. And it's uh, who knows what's going to happen with the market. I do think that the, uh, the appreciation and just the craziness is unprecedented right now. I don't see it lasting forever, but uh, I mean, who would have known that, that, you know, to, to sit here and just keep our heads down and say, no, no, we have a plan. Let's keep working the plan and keep going at it. It was going to, was going to come out and benefit so much. Right. So, so how is it affecting? And, and I love that you said that because with everyone I've talked to that that didn't take their foot off the gas, they, they sort of took that approach. You know, this is the plan. We're going to stick to the plan and we're going to drive it home. Everyone seemed to have a, a better year or their best year or, or some version of that over 2019 yeah. or over their career. How's that affecting sort of your buying power? I'm going to stay on the investment side for a little while and then, and then I'm probably going to dive into the team stuff. But how's that affecting, you know, hey, property values just went up 200K. Are you, are you still buying at the same level? Are you going off market? What, what strategies are you guys using to help you? So it's, it's a funny question. Do you, when you buy properties, you kind of go through this mental ceiling that it's like, I know in Hamilton down the mountain that if I'm buying something between three and 400,000, that's a detached, that could maybe be duplexable. Like it's a good deal. I'm going to go for it. And then all of a sudden the properties are 450 and it takes like a few months where you're like, just like, Oh, this is crap. This is garbage. <laughs> and then you finally, you're like, okay, well, this is the new norm and we try and make it work. And if it works, that's great. You want it to fit. You want it to be safe. So anyway, <laughs> I find that I go through that like 
every three, two, three years here in Hamilton, where it's like, holy crap, the first property I ever bought, Hamilton Mountain Bungalow. I bought it for $186,000. That, right. that was back in like, oh, what, eight years ago, nine years ago now? Seven, eight years ago, yeah. Yeah, and now it's like, uh, we, just, we just did a property on the mountain uh, and the one right next to ours sold for eight twenty. Like, what the hell? It it's makes crazy. no sense, right? And I mean, we did we did the same thing. Like I remember, um, it was probably about five years ago. We bought a we bought a flip, and I think we got it for you know like two fifty. We sold it mm -hmm. for you know maybe four hundred, four 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 and a quarter. Um, and then I remember when we bought our first one at like three twenty, and I was like, man, that's a little high. <laughs> I don't want to pay three twenty for. And you kind of got like gulp it down, like oh, yeah. it's you know, Loeffler actually, you bring him back up. He always told me that, you know, when I first buy a property, I always felt like I was overpaying. And yeah. then five years later, I, I'm a genius. Yeah. And, and this, it's so true. And, you know, there's this, you can look at it from either end of the spectrum. You can say, okay, well, I'm not going to buy properties now because I'm expecting a big crash to take place and I'm just going to wait it out. And that's fine. Over the last five years, every time I've heard a buyer say that, they're having to suck it up because they're paying a hundred grand more than what they should have when they were ready to buy. 100%. That's that's a reality, folks. So um, the other thing is when you're only buying on cash flow, then it's okay. It's okay to overpay. As long as the property is gonna carry itself. If I buy a property and it, you know, I hadn't expected that it was gonna um, gonna be valued at 600 but my appraisal now because the market's dropped only comes in at 525 or something the property's carrying itself i'm not out of pocket every single month so it just means i might have to wait another year to refinance and pull everything out that's okay so if you buy in cash flow it gives you that safety net you know that's an interesting, interesting way to kind of look at it. And, and, you know, Mark, Mark mentioned that, right. I mean, the smartest people in real estate or, or what we perceive to be all of our properties five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And it's, it's sort of the long-term game to get there. And, and I think he used that, that line exactly, right. If, if you brought property in March or, or February of last year, you're looking like a genius right now with the, yeah. with the appreciation, you know, it's, I like that you said, you know, it's about the cash flow. So, you know, if I'm making $100, it's covering itself, or even if I'm just breaking even, but it's covering itself and it costs me nothing, how is it, how am I losing? Actually, I've been listening and hearing a lot of, of rumblings about people who are actually advocating that negative cash flow properties are okay. I, I don't like it personally. <laughs> yeah, I don't but, like that. But there's, like when you break down the math, it makes sense. The only problem is, is that it's weighing on the one factor in real estate, which is appreciation. And it's the only thing we don't really have control over. We don't know where the market's going to go up or down. We just, you make the best of it, right? Except if you trend it over 50 years, right? I mean, if you look for totally. a 50-year graph, it, it goes up, right? There's yeah. The dips and the highs and lows and everything else. It's yeah, yeah. Steady, but steady the, 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 the theory is, is that, you know, if I'm like negative $200 a month cash flow for the year, I'm minus $2,400 theoretically. Right. right. But if I'm paying down the mortgage 10,000 and right. I'm, you know, appreciating at 4%, you know, and I've oh. just made an extra 20,000 for, yeah. for the year, let's just say I'm a very conservative, right. Uh, our appreciation has been wild here, but um, you know, that 2,400 pales in comparison to the, you know, the 3,000 or 30,000 you just made. Right. 
yeah. so I, I get it. Yeah, it's, it's but, interesting. I mean, I, I haven't looked at it that way. Um, you know, my, my business partner, myself, we, we haven't really thought about it that way. Um, you know, similarly to you guys, right? I mean, we flipped heavy in the beginning and, and then you get you slide into holes. And are then, you guys still flipping consistently now too? And no, and, and this is, you know, for me, flipping has always been a bit of a, of a speculation. And, mm -hmm. and one of my real estate sort of mentors said, you know, you never invest in speculation because you just, you just you, it's a big yeah. roll of the dice. I mean, I like blackjack. It just felt a little bigger than I wanted to. So we actually scaled out of flipping um, in the, in the traditional sense, we, we went more into the burrs, um, and then, and then the buy and hold. So there, there's still some appreciation in the property. We're still putting money in it. We're still doing some of that yeah. stuff, but a lot less of just the straight, you know, buy for 500, sell it for seven and hope that you make hundred K in the middle. Um, yep. you know, and I, I think what happened there is, is the very first time it happened. So, so we were flipping consistently and then we got the, the bump in 2017 we bought a property in, in December and in March, the market skyrocketed and went, you know, that's the first time we saw the craziness. It was like, yeah, hey, this is great. I mean, we only expected to make 60 K and we made 160. Woo. And, you know, we were excited. And then we got the flip side of that at the end of that year where we had a property, we were flipping it, the market was holding, it was holding. And then I don't know if you remember like tail end of 17, November it going into December, we just saw a dive off in, in terms of yeah. what people were willing to pay if it wasn't perfect. And that was during the foreign buyers tax. Right, whole, it was right after yeah, yeah. that and, and that rollout. And so all of a sudden we had this property that we paid a premium on to buy um the the flip didn't go quite as planned a lot of things showed up that we weren't expecting but we were like you know what spend it because the market will carry us we'll be okay and then the market shifted and it was the first flip that we 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 didn't lose we also didn't make much it was like you know here's a thousand bucks and and two months of pain it was like man like I don't know that I want to do this anymore <laughs> if this is what it's going to be. And that's when I started, you know, Matt and myself, we started looking at some different strategies and talking to guys like Mark and, and yourself and, and Sandy and kind of going, the Burr method just offers that just that little bit of safety that, yeah, totally. that you're okay with, right? It's not hundred percent, but if the market shifts and it covers, I'm okay to keep it. I'm okay to, to, to make that positive cash flow, or even if it's a little negative, I'm okay. I don't have to sell it. And if the market goes up, I can sell it and, and, you know, pull in that extra capital as well. So that's, that's kind of where we are today. The first, uh, the first flip I ever did, I call it the school of flip and I'm glad I learned it offhand. I did a partner with two other guys from work and the one guy, like within the first week or two, he's like, I can't do this. I, I'm out. I'm away from my family. So he's like, I'll leave my cash in, but I'm pulling out. So, okay. So me and the other guy finished it. It took us all summer and like we did everything electrical plumbing i, I remember that one i think you had it documented along the way and you were like this is you started doing some videos this is the first one i'm gonna do and i this this is before actually pal property solutions was in existence oh, this man. is before i had a name for myself so um nowadays we we make sure we make money on our flips like our flips do well but at that time that was the very first one and, and you need to do it I, you know, some people pay like a hundred grand for a university education, do one flip and like just scrape by your know, best education you'll ever get. Um, but that one, we made $256. Oh. 
Yeah. And it that's, took us all worse than my thousand bucks on that. Yeah. yeah. But I learned, I learned everything. It was, it was necessary. I, I called it an education. When at the time you were, you were doing it yourself. You were doing a lot of the work yourself and, and kind of investing in that sort of swing the hammer sort of mentality versus I'm sure now you're using contractors and, and scheduled it out. For sure. For sure. And that was one thing too. I ended up joining a networking group called fortune builders at the time. I remember them. Are they still out? Yeah. Uh, yeah, actually I went to ignite, um, which is like, I guess one of their big, uh, hoorahs just before COVID hit, uh, in December of last year. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was really good. It's like fan Merrill and all those guys from flip this house. Remember back in the day and, and it was like totally against everything that anyone told me to, to do. I was like, hey, I've got this course. It's going to cost me 20 grand. And everyone's like, don't do it. You're an idiot if you do it. And I'm like, okay, I won't do it. And then I went and did it. Yeah. And then uh, it was fantastic. I learned a crap ton. It gave me all the resources I needed. And it is what you make it. 100%. And I think a lot of just like, you know, if you consider how many agents are in existence and your team is, is you guys are like less than in the 1%, right? You guys are probably in the, the top, what? two percent uh, 0.2 percent or something yeah we're in the top i, I think we're in the top 0.5 percent of, of yeah. Real estate. yeah so so but if you compare your team across all the other agents in your board it's crazy and and when you actually look at what the average how many deals an average agent makes what is it, like three or four deals three, in a year yeah three or four everything out there is what you make it and you made a, a, an active choice, you and your team made an active choice to be dynamite, you know? And, and now you're here doing that and, and good on you. But I think the same with these courses, like people like, you get see these Google reviews where people are like, it's a scam, it's a Ponzi scheme. Like, no, they're like legit, they've got information and it's good information, but how you take it and how you process it and how you utilize it is up to you. I, I agree with that a hundred percent. And, and you know, it's funny because we had a client they were 80,000 in courses. And, and I think this is kind of to your point. It, it is what you make it, right? You can take yeah. the education and you can keep staying there or yeah. you can take the education and do something with it. And, and I think that's true across every industry anywhere in the world. Education is not the problem. There's so much of it almost, <laughs> you know, it can almost be a hindrance, but, but I remember this client, yeah. when we met them, they wanted to do a, a, a burr. And um, we said to them, yeah, no problem. We'll manage it for you. It's sort of our first crack at a JV. It was like, you know what, Let, let's JV this thing with them. And they said that. They said in 60 days, they learn more on the project than they learned in six months for $80,000. That's simple. But, but I did it too, right? I mean, I went to the Rich Dad free, free day. And then I got sucked into the, the weekend for, was it a couple hundred bucks for the weekend? And then from there, they try to try to pull you in and, and we, I never took that step because I like you said I have a natural ability of connecting with people so I actually yep. connected with with one of the guys that was working there at the time and um, just became friends with him and he was like you know what I'll give it to you all for free and <laughs> scores see that's awesome that's awesome <laughs> well and just, when just I was... being in the room right I just said to him one day hey it was the weekend course. I was like, what are you doing for lunch? He's like, I have no plans. I was like, let's just go grab lunch and talk real estate. I'd love to know more. And in that lunch, he decided, you know what? Don't pay. Meet me after the course. I'll help you out. 
and and that's how I sort of got started. And this that's was, awesome. Yeah, twelve years ago or so. <laughs> and, and he's still a good cool. resource. I mean, he's gone on. He's doing class A buildings and commercial stuff and, and some incredible things right now. We keep in touch. I, I'm not at his level. He's been doing it for 30 years. But I think to your point, just just do something, right? Get get yeah, out yeah. there, buy something, you know, give yourself. We all know those people with the with the smart shows. I I have a smart shelf. Totally do. Um and there's books on there where I'm like, man, I gotta read that one. You know, still it's but it's I'm too busy doing like actually with my feet in it. So uh, I, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I think it's an important thing to share. Like you could literally take every course under the sun, but if you don't do anything with it. It's yeah. not going to go anywhere for you. Now, now you guys have, I heard you mention Rain and Fortune Builders, but you've got your own now that you've sort of started in the Hamilton yeah. region, right? Yeah, what? we started one called GAIN, G-H-A-I-N, the Greater Hamilton Area Investors Network. And actually like uh, we... I mean, at our peak, the most we've had out, I think was like just under 50 people in one session, which was really exciting. Um, COVID threw a damper on it. And, and at the beginning we were doing some, some kind of videos and interviews. We didn't really host a platform for people to meet and network on. Right. I, I, I kind of found that a lot of people were doing that. So we took a bit of a backseat on it. And then for us, when COVID first hit, it was like, my main thing was like, how do I keep staff on? Cause I didn't want to ever get to a point where we had to like lay people off or something like that. So my focus kind of geared towards the team, making sure that everyone in their families was going to be okay. And I'm very excited though, to like get back into it because I think that one thing I'm really lacking is, is that whole networking. And it was funny. I was talking to, do you know, Ryan De Laurentiis? Uh I know the name. I don't know him well. Yeah. He, he was a, he's a, he's a, an investor out towards London, incredible individual. Um, him and I were talking about, you know, why we miss these networking events as much. And it's great to like, you know, socialize and stuff, but I think the key word is inspiration. When, when you go to these networking events, you leave inspired. And I think that that's what uh, I can find inspiration from a lot of different sources, but I, I love networking events. I love collaborating with people like you, like, talking about different strategies, like exciting things, amping each other up, you know, and, and you leave there just kind of vibrating. I love that feeling. I, I miss that. So I'm, I'm super eager to kind of get back into it. I completely agree with you, man. Like there's something to be said. And I remember going to Rockstar stuff, going out to Rain, being in Toronto, checking out different ones. I don't know that I've, I've ever left one of those and felt uninspired. Right. Even if yeah. I knew the information, even if I, I, I was doing it already, I remember when I you know first met like Nick and Tom, for instance, at, at Rockstar, I think I went to their, their thing three or four different times with different yeah. clients and different people and, and, you know, invested with them and that sort of stuff. And each time I came out and was like, yeah, that was gold. I took something, you know, here we go. But more importantly, I get people say to me all the time, where do I start? And I'm like, that's where you start. You go talk to yeah. other investors because you never know, right? And I've had people say to me in the room, hey, I got this property I need to offload. Are you buying right now? Yeah, yeah. sure. What do you want for it? What's the cash flow? What's the numbers? What's the cap rate? And, and off we go, right? So totally. I think it's important for, for newbie investors to kind of think that way. And I know we kind of went the investment route a, a lot for this. I, I'm curious to hear how the team's doing um, and where you guys are headed there because we haven't touched on that, but just in that moment, you know, it does make more sense or makes a lot of sense 
to be networking and to be out. And I don't know that any, because of the, I think the type of people that investors are and, and where the focus is, I think COVID just made everyone shift back into, okay, we got to put our heads down and go find properties. And I see a lot yeah, of yeah. The, the Zoom networking and that sort of stuff happening. Out of curiosity, you ever been to the right club? I haven't. No, that one I haven't done yet. I'm writing that down. That's, you got to check that one out. Um, they're, in my opinion, um, in terms of like the ones that are really prominent, the ones that are, are, are making a big splash, I, I love going to their networking events. They're fantastic. Um, good people. Hosts are fantastic too. Like is that one, is that one out of London? Dan and Laurel. Um, no, that one's in um, Burlington. That's where they host it. Right, right, right. Holiday Inn. That's awesome. I, I, I'll definitely yeah. check that out. See, I learn something yeah. every single time. So what's the team doing? How'd you guys make out in 2020? And, and I always ask this question before we wrap. So hopefully we'll get to it. You know, we get a lot of new agents, a lot of agents restarting their business. Uh, we, had, we had agents from every single side that, that listen to the show. But I would say, what are you advising your team or what are you advising agents right now to be doing? I think right now it's heavy on the scripts. Um, that that's one thing that I think that I always come back to because it's so easy to get caught up in how this market's taking off. Um, and it's hard to reel people's realities back to shore a little bit to be like, okay, like if you were planning on selling now for the last two years, if there was ever a time in your life where you were like, oh, I wish I could time the market hello, we are in that time right now, <laughs> you know, like, like that's from a selling standpoint and, and for, for buyers as well, there's a whole mental shift. I mean, no property right now that is accurately priced is going to go for that number. Even if it's accurately priced, it's crazy. So, you know, when buyers, we get a lot of them who like, you know, talk to us about like, okay, well, this is how much I can afford. And, and that's the perfect deal for it. Like, you kind of have to set the expectations already before you've even started looking at properties like before that, you know, so you're sitting down on the pre-consult already saying, just so you know, like list price doesn't mean squat. Let's get that and understand that. And if we need clarity, let's keep on that before we move on to step two. Yeah. Um, so for, for me, uh, my role within the team right now, like, I'm more of like a support. I, like I'll go to the uh, listing appointment or a buyer appointment. Um, Kaylee is really the one who's, who's taken that flag and run with it. And that's why, I mean, that's why I call her superwoman. She's, uh, she's right now at home with our two little ones because I had some meetings today. Uh, but she's like fielding phone calls still. Like she had a baby a month and a half ago. The woman's awesome. I think I saw Kaylee. I, I think it was in Hamilton at the, the KW in Hamilton. And I think she was in, and it was like days until she was supposed to, to give birth to your first. And I was like, what yeah. are you doing? She's like, I got to get this deal done. And I was like, tell Alex I say hi. And you're <laughs> so, he, so get this, we're in the delivery room and the baby was, um, so the baby's due date was December 9th. And we're like, okay, well, we have this flip that we need to sell and we're like pushing gung-ho to get on the market, but we're, it's going to be ready to go live on the 16th. So we've got the stages, photographers, everybody's booked. So it's ready to go. Baby's not coming. Next day happens, next day happens. So the induction date gets set, December 16th. Okay, 
this is what it is. So we go to the midwives or whatever, and they said, okay, we're going to get you in for the morning. Like, okay, perfect. Offer presentations are at six o'clock at night. So you get in there. It's, uh, we're getting at nine o'clock or sorry, 11 o'clock. That's what time we were supposed to be there. Um, and we're supposed to be, sorry, we're getting there at nine o'clock. Induction was supposed to happen at 11. Induction didn't take place until 2.30. When does the baby decide to come? Four right at 4.30. So we are right in that window. I've got my phone like this. And I'm like, it's going to be okay, honey. You're all right. We've got the midwives here looking at us like we've got two heads. Her and I are like talking like, shoot, you know, what do you think of this one? What do you think of that one? That's Meanwhile, so, so the baby was born at 6.30 and uh, we accepted the winning offer at like, seven o'clock or something like that but it was just like super high stress and i told the agents because there was like three agents that were super close yeah i was like i'm gonna put this in perspective <laughs> like i took a picture of the delivery room nothing so that they you know uh nothing provocative i guess <laughs> i was like <laughs> we're literally getting ready to like deliver our child right now so that's why you know my hat goes off to that that woman she's uh i'm glad i'm glad she's my partner because I don't know if anybody would put up with this kind of crap. <laughs> uh, it's insane. And, and, you know, it's, it's a tribute to also, you know, commitment to your job. Right. I think I was chatting yeah. with, I think it was Chris, I was chatting with, he talked about passion, right. And, and being passionate about something and, you know, stop making excuses and talking shit and, and just, just be real with yourself. If you love it, there's nothing that'll stop you. And, and, you know, my, when my last uh, child was born, I was out meeting a client when I got the phone call, I remember getting on the phone. I'm calling one of my agents. I'm like, you need to switch out. I'm in the middle of a viewing. I left the viewing. She showed up. We rushed home. And, and you know, a couple hours later, um, Sloan was born. And so you kind of, when you're passionate about it, you you really run it to the finish line. And, and I think that's probably the message that, that I've been giving to agents. I love that you talked about scripting because everyone ignores it. Well, not everyone, but a lot of agents ignore it and don't go back there. But then I always go back to the, to the passionate side of things. Like, are you sure you want to do this? Because you might be in a delivery room and have to write a deal or, you know, we've got guys on our team, you know, that have written deals on, on Christmas Eve at the family dinner table, you know, boxing day, you're out middle of the mall, when we could go to malls, you know, New Year's Eve, right before the party kicks off, you're writing deals. And so that's, that's sort of that hustle, that stuff that I'm telling people is, you know, you got to be in it, both feet in all the time, if you truly want success in this game. And, and it sounds sure. like you and Kaylee are doing that at a very, very high you know, level. The, the sacrifices sometimes sound great. Like, for example, my parents love them to death. Now they are huge supporters of what we do. Before I did it, they were anti-real estate. Do not do real estate. So the excuses was always like, you know, uh, evenings and weekends. All your evenings and weekends are going to be completely busted, you know. And and it's not the case. And all same with the rentals. Like you want to be unclogging toilets on Christmas Eve, which is always I've never unclogged a toilet on Christmas Eve ever. <laughs> And we have like, we have 57 units. I've never unclogged a toilet. I've never unclogged a toilet for you, let alone on Christmas Eve. Christ. Anyway, um, but, but uh, I think with real estate there, there's, it's funny. There's a couple ways to kind of see it. Um, I was talking to, to, you know, Marianne Gillespie. Yeah. Uh, she's fantastic. And she was saying at one point, she saw this post on Facebook where it was this agent who was talking about like, 
writing deals, going for a jog, doing groceries and all this. And she's like, at the end of the day, she's like, wow, what a, what a day. And like, like she, and I agree with Marianne in the sense where it's like, that's not a productive use of time. Like you might've feel like you were like, don't, don't, what's the bold law? Don't mistake movement for achievement. Yeah. Right. And so it's, uh, I think that what you have to think about is purposeful movement. And if you do things purposefully, you can cut down on having to do weekends and having to do evenings all the time. And Kaylee and I, we have family dinners 99% of the time, truly. And we might have to do a deal after the kids go to bed or something or whatever the case, but we still are, we all do this for greater being. Like it's, it's not just for, you know, wanting to become a super agent because we want to take care of our families. We want to build generational wealth we want to do all kinds of stuff but i mean when you prioritize things and you you do it well same thing with scripting setting expectations we were actually talking to one of our buyers today because there's a guy who called on one of our listings and he wants her to represent him but he wants her to reduce her commission and he wants to call all the shots it's not how we operate no. it's not it and totally respect if that's what you Mr. Buyer want to do but that's like that's not how we operate so so that's it that end of discussion it doesn't have to go much farther than that and um but I I do think that comes with like not just scripting that might also come with just confidence and, and, and experience as well right I think you just gotta you just gotta decide your standards right and, yeah. and I say this to people all the time you, you just gotta decide am I willing am I okay with that or am I not, right? Am I worth my five, six percent, or am I worth three percent? And and I think as real estate agents, when we don't have our value proposition down, when we don't have that, you know, here's what we do better than everybody else, here's our scripts, here's everything else, we don't have that as part of, of who we are. And then we take clients like that and we, we cut commission, we do twice the work, we get beat up on, on the deal, and it really makes us stop liking our jobs. And, and yeah. I said this to someone the other day, I think it, it was three or four years ago at that family reunion. And we're, I mean, a week away from family reunion right now. And, and Gary Keller said, you know, we've got to love real estate again, right? Like we got to stop letting the, the clients control our lives. We got to stop letting them dictate when we work and how much we work and, and really get purposeful to that, to your point, get purposeful around what we're willing to do and what we're not yeah. willing to do. And I'll never forget. It was, um, maybe maybe my second year of real estate my first time taking bold and there was a gentleman in the room and he said i don't work sundays and it blew my mind I, i'm a brand new realtor i'm like what do you mean you don't work sundays like yeah. i'm always working sundays and he's like i just don't I, I choose not to work sundays but i give you you know monday to friday i'm giving you nine to nine and saturdays i'm giving you from 10 to 2 and that's my schedule and i remember just being blown away what are you talking about and and you know I, I remember trying it for the first time and the seller pushing back and and me caving and then the second time I did it I just said no I'm just not going to do it and and my core advocate clients still to this day will apologize if we got to do something on Sunday it's it's mind-blowing because they'll say yeah. listen we're so sorry you know it's the only day we can see it can you make it work if not are you willing to have somebody else and we're so sorry to bug you on a Sunday that was just one of my standards because I like to 
I like to see my kids on Sundays. And there you go. Someone who's in like the top 0.02% is, you know, still, you know, can have his Sundays that it exists. You know, it's um, Gary Keller. He was the, I don't know if it was in a different skit or the time because it's five years I wouldn't have been at that family union, but um, he did mention, he's like, tell me any lawyers who work Saturdays and Sundays or any dentists and, and you know, or any doc, like whatever, right? So I don't, I don't, under, I, I get that there's this sales has a different kind of feel to, to it then because you, you got to hustle and I get the hustle takes you got to work past five o'clock Sundays. I understand that. Um, but I think that within your own self, you have to set those standards. And, and I think that it will build more clarity and, and more power. Uh, who was it? I think it was in a bold class as well, where the coach said one of the most powerful moments is when you're sitting at a listing appointment and you fold the binder clothes and you say, okay, guys, I, I don't think I'm the right agent to help you with, with your, your sale here. And the first time I did that, it was like, oh, you yeah. know, and then like, it's, it's fantastic. It's, it's so empowering. And, and I mean, I think, I think that was, um, I want to say it was, it was Kittleson. I, I feel like it was, it was Darren Kittleson. I don't know if you were in his bold. I feel like he said it, but, but similarly the other side, right. Being able to, to, to like Kaylee did not take a buyer on, or, um, you know, we had someone on our team recently fire a buyer and, mm -hmm. and it's, it's so empowering to, to know yeah. your worth and to know your standard and to be able to say, totally. you know, and it's, the, it, it's like this big weight relief too. Um, do you know Nathan Flanagan? I do. Really? Yeah. He, yeah. He's, he was actually the agent that got me into Keller Williams. He represented me on a double end in Kitchener and it was, by far one of the uh, it was the best deal i had seen created because i was working with a remax agent at the time and the guy probably showed me like 160 properties i felt so bad <laughs> and he was just the worst he'd take me to every property and i'd be like the numbers don't work on any of these like why do you keep telling me to come here and then finally i um i went to a property and i knocked on the door that had a sign in front and this is before i understood like agency relationships i was just a buyer so I saw a for sale sign. I was like, all right, I'll go knock on the door. I was like, hey, I'm just curious. Like, do you mind telling me a little bit about your property? She's like, actually, I just sold. And the agents were fantastic. You should probably give them a call. And it was when Sean and Nathan were still together. Yeah. And so I gave uh, uh, Shaw a call. He referred me to Nathan because he was working in Kitchener at the time. And he brought me an off market where the sellers were so desperate to sell because they had bought their dream home that was conditional upon the sale of their house. And so he got it to me for, it was 250 at the time, but it was like a triple win. He double-ended it, which was great for him. The sellers were ecstatic. I was super happy because it was like a dynamite property. I was like, this is, this is fantastic. And eventually Nathan was the one who introduced me to Loeffler. That's crazy. And, and that's just a credit to, to Nate, to Shaw for their professionalism. Yeah. I mean, I was training with those guys back then too. And, and sort of this, like to your point, right? Standards, knew their stuff, knew their industry, scripted, very well scripted. And, and you know, they're also in the top, top echelon of real estate agents across North America as well. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad you shared that. Alex, we're, we're out of time. It's been a great day hosting you and, and having you on the show. Um, if someone's looking to track you down, what's the best way do you want them to come out to, 
to gain or email you instagram what's what's the best way to get what once we get game back and going definitely i invite everybody to come on out it's a good time we do have a bar just in case you know yeah, <laughs> well utilized it's awesome <laughs> um but if people are looking to get a hold of me um uh, definitely on my instagram it's pal underscore property underscore solutions or on our website too, you can uh, check it out. It's www.palpropertysolutions.com. I actually wrote a little book and it's a free book. If anybody wants it, it's called Getting Your Foot in the Door. So if any of your friends or clients or whatever want it, uh, it's a free download. Um, I've heard a lot of people are like, well, this makes a lot of sense and it's actually helped be a catalyst for some folks. So, nice. but otherwise I do wanna say thank you so much for having me on here. It's uh, just such a pleasure to chat with you always. I'm super proud of what you and your team have done, man. Like you should be too. So um, hats it, off to you guys, man. It's, it's very, very inspiring. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. And, and we're all growing together. And, and I love that all of us, right? I mean, whether it's Mark or Sandy, yourself, we're, we're so open to communication and, and anyone listening to this, I know any of the guys that we've had on the podcast, you can pick up the phone, they'll answer your calls or they'll at least sure. text you back. Um, yeah. You know, we are the Real Estate Hustle podcast and we're bringing investors and realtors together. And it's, it's so amazing. We're on Instagram, we're on Facebook. So reach out and Alex, I know we're going to chat again. Um, we'll hope to have you back on the show and kind of hear where you guys are. I kind of pencil down. You're at, you're at 58 doors right now and 57, you know, 57. 57. Well, 58 is coming, right? Yeah, you just, for just sure. bought another one. So, <laughs> and, <laughs> and where you're headed. Right. So thank you so much. And it's been a great time chatting with you and getting to know a little bit more about your business. Thank you so much.